The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. It's a very quiet studio today. The Fujicast. Welcome to this week's Fujicast. As I said, in a rather quiet studio because, for family reasons, this week Kevin needs to attend to、uh, other important business. However, consistency is something we take very seriously, the two of us. And、uh, we always said that、uh, when we started the, the show 32 episodes ago, that we make sure we try to get something out there each week. Not anything, mind, but something. And、uh, it so happens that just prior to our Brighton live show, we recorded a really important something together. As we said as we signed off from last week's Brighton meetup, then today's show was,、uh, was always destined to be more business centric, and we're delighted to have both had a chance to talk to Sprout Studios' Brian Caparici. I talked with Brian a couple of weeks back when we,、um, we had the Meet the Listener feature when Kev was,、um, was in Spain and I was back in the studio just west of London and felt there was、uh, a lot of unfinished business, every pun intended, as Brian has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, to opening, operating, and marketing a, a photography. Business. He personally has gone from scratch to doing what、uh, many of us aspire to having a photo business that lets us live the life we want to, mortgage free. Brian is a successful wedding and portrait photographer in what many refer to as the, the social photography scene. He's the founder of Sprout Studio, which is both business software and consultancy for photographers. We'll let him explain that later on. And if that wasn't enough, he's the host of the business of photography, an established photography cast over 400 episodes young, with titles such as Why Raising Your Prices May Not Make You More Money and Why Am I Shooting Film? So,、uh, I'm delighted it was an interview that both、uh, Kevin and I recorded together. But I, I think this is an interview that shouldn't just appeal to those who want to turn a dollar, pound, or euro, because there is some solid advice that is within his ethos of business about the strategy of, of showing your work and, and getting yourself out there as a photographer.、Uh, we talk about、um, turning the video button on them, whether you're missing a trick if you, if you don't, by refusing to embrace the moving image. Are you setting yourself up for failure in a world that's becoming far more video centric? Brian uses weddings as a case scenario, but what you're about to hear can be applied to, to other genres as well, of course. We discuss why a cohesive style and word of mouth and the patience game is far more important to you than X Factor style instant gratification. We talk about pricing, working at the bare minimum, the realities of business. We talk about branding and, and what the F stop branding actually means. We talk about websites and the tricks that are missed by many when setting up their sites, how to use video to promote your business, and the most powerful way to talk to prospective clients, how to be organized in your business, and why keeping client notes on scraps of paper is maybe a recipe for disaster. And we talk about podcasting, even, and if it's something that you may think about doing yourself. So, today's show is about clarity, business clarity. And whilst in 40 minutes we can't possibly cover every angle, we hope it may inspire you to ask questions yourself, both to us for future episodes and to Brian, as he's always happy to hear from you. So it's,、uh, if you will, a business mini special this week. Well, Brian, it's ni- nice to talk to you again. Nice is, to be back. Is Niagara as good, good as it was last time I talked to you? Hasn't changed much. It's a little bit cooler than it was last time we talked. I think、yeah. last time it was like 40 degrees outside. It was 40 degrees. Hot, now we're getting into. 
Yeah, now we're getting into fall time, so it's yeah. kind of this is this is the best time of the year in Niagara because the the vineyards are in you know in good shape and it's a little bit cooler. So yeah, it's beautiful here. You're going to get proper snow as well, don't you? There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. We we get a little bit of snow and then we close the whole country down because we can't cope with it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Full time wedding and portrait photographer, thirteen years. In case you you mi- missed hearing Brian from a few weeks ago. How much of uh, myself and Kev really want to talk to you today about about how the industry has changed? I'm just going to launch off with a question. I think I think mm. this will really sort of start the conversation flow. Really, how much have you seen? I, I appreciate it's Canada, but how much have you seen the industry change in your part of the world in that 13 years? Oh gosh, that's like that's uh, oh my gosh, what a question! I love that. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I, I think that things have changed, yet at the same time, I don't think things have changed. Um, and, and I say that in the sense that when I started 13, 14 years ago, photographers that were well-established then would say the same thing that that you guys or I or anyone that's been in the industry for a while would say today to a newer photographer. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, you know, there's there's more photographers than ever before and there's, you know, more competition and it's always a race to the bottom with certain clients and you've got to find your niche and like blah 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 and all those things that i remember hearing when i started i would tell a photographer today the same thing so i think as much as they have changed and certainly the approach that we have to take in the business side has changed i don't think that a lot has changed in the sense that we have to be hungry we have to be thinking strategically we have to be intentional with the decisions that we make. And all of that is as true today as it was 14 years ago. One, one thing we touched on when we spoke before, you don't work with video. And I remember your word. You actually said it's a different art form, not in your wheelhouse. I remember that expression. But, yeah, but, 100%. But like I, I started, I, I, I did for a little bit. I actually had a full-time employee that worked for me in my studio for a couple of years. And she took on a lot of the workload. So we actually did offer video and she, that was sort of her expertise but there but, are there are those that suggest though brian if you don't adopt it you're not somehow evolving can you see a time to engage that that video button or are you going to are you going to stay where you are with that decision no i i'm going to stick with that decision i still think it's a completely different form of storytelling um technically obviously there's there's a lot different but also just i think uh end end purpose there's a lot different like for me as a wedding photographer as a portrait photographer my finished product is some heirloom piece that my clients can hold in their hands, whether that be a wedding album for a bride and groom or for wall portraits or, or you know, wall art for a portrait client. And so going into the video realm, obviously, really the only way that you can enjoy a, a video, uh, you know, finished product is digitally. And a big part of my brand has always been that we need to get things off of our computer and onto our walls and in our hands to enjoy them without technology and so i think i think almost in a way it would break that brand promise if i started to dilute that and and go towards video yeah i i know what you mean brian and i i think neil and i were speaking about this the other day actually in terms of videos and the way things are changing and i you know i i would say the, the types of weddings that i shoot and the types of weddings that neil shoot mostly documentary probably up until about 18 months ago, I was not seeing any videographers at all at the weddings because the clients, you know, they want discretion, they want quiet, they want people to just run around and, and kind of take the pictures. But then all of a sudden, over the last kind of 18 months or so, I've started seeing a lot more. And they, and I, you know, I'm with you, I love the stills. And, uh, 
you know, I, I think what's happened is that the the technology that's available now, the you know, the mirrorless um, cameras that are, we all we all we have now, whether it's Sony, Fuji, Panasonic, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can make very, well, well, I think I'm seeing a very, very cinematic, very beautiful wedding films, like just three or four minutes long. And you don't know you no longer need to, to be like an, an outside broadcast system with huge kind of shoulder mounted cameras and, you know, uh, <laughs> microphones on big, huge, hairy microphones on poles and <laughs> things like that. So I think, uh, you know, for me, I think that, that I, I absolutely 100% agree with you that it's a different art form. And um, I don't know whether there's something and maybe it's it's more over here. I would, I'm desperately close to saying more of a European thing, but I'm not sure we are European anymore. I'm not sure what we're allowed to be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I uh, I don't know whether that's, that's something that's kind of happening over there as well, whether you're seeing more of it just from the people who want to shoot more of it because they can and of course the cameras are cheaper and the, the software is easier etc now so I don't know yeah it's you know it's interesting i've definitely seen i'd say maybe over the past five or six years there's been more a a sort of tilt or a shift towards like on the video side that more documentary style of, mm. of video mm. i remember you know get when i was first getting started like you still had like you said the big rigs kev like the mic like the whole nine yards mm. and now now when i do run into videographers and cinematographers at weddings you know they're they're running and gunning with a monopod and one camera one lens and mm. and a little shotgun mic on top and they're good to go and i think that that is definitely more what clients are looking for today like as the industry has changed as expectations have changed mm. But yeah. I still think that the approach to doing that, because I, and again, because I've tried it, like I've done it, it's like a whole other, like we, we as still photographers might be able to technically, you know, line up the composition and get the right exposure and get the right light, because those are all things that we can borrow from our skill set as photographers. But when it comes to then like putting together it in a cohesive piece, that's where I always, struggled like i i would i pull up final cut and like i'd have all the software i'd have everything that i need Mm. i'd have all these great shots like individual shots like video but then like piecing that together with music in some kind of cohesive piece that just didn't feel like it was a bunch of clips put back to back that was the hardest part i guess that's why movies have producers and directors and everything else you know they all have their different roles yeah 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 totally but but of course being able to do that, I'm going to come back to it, though, and, and say being able to do that, though, could give you the edge. I and mean, we're, we're going to be talking about the business of photography in the ne- over the next few mm-hmm. minutes. And that, that's, that's, that's the hardest thing to find now for, for a lot of people starting out is to have the edge. Because there's so many really good photographers around offering out their services really quite cheaply. Definitely that that like I said, like the sort of not not race to the bottom, but that the price sensitivity has certainly increased um, in the market today. I think that's one of the mm. one of the bigger changes if, if I can point it to any of them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, certainly having the ability to offer video as a service um, is is not an unreasonable, you know, uh, strategy. But my my argument would be the amount of time and work and effort that a photographer running a photography studio would have to put into mm-hmm. to offer that as as a part of their services because they can't do it themselves i mean i know i'm sure there are some photographers that can do it themselves but to try and photograph still images and make a video on a wedding day 
for, I don't know what you guys, but for me, feels like unbelievably overwhelming. Oh, I can only do one or the other. I don't think I could do both. Okay, so so then then I guess that more or less is is I guess my point because mm-hmm. if I'm being booked out for a Saturday for a wedding, if I'm now offering both, if I get booked for video, that means I'm not doing photo, mm-hmm. which means like it's it's now I have to split my time and my energy and my efforts, skill set wise uh, and marketing wise. Like it's just gonna, in my opinion it would almost do more to dilute the brand because now you're not getting, you have to think of it this way. If you shoot 30 weddings and, but if now you're splitting it, so 15 of them are video and 15 of them are photo. Now you're only getting 15 clients that are going to refer you on the photo side. So the next year you're going to, you know what I'm saying? So it Mm -hmm. almost like I'd rather a photographer or maybe just myself, I'd rather focus on building a really strong, cohesive brand photographically and differentiating myself in other ways and that way, I, I almost become a master of that one thing versus trying to do too many things. You talk about referrals as being in, in, important to your business. Um, do you think that's the, the the number one way to get business these days? A hundred percent. Yeah, referrals are everything. So, how do people um, start out then? Because when you start out, of course, you don't have that mm-hmm. benefit. Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually funny because I I love listening to to you guys on the podcast when you have those kinds of questions come in, where it's like, how do you you know, your first year of shooting weddings, how do you do that? And and my, I think my, my sentiments often echo what you guys suggest in terms of advice in the sense that um, getting started as a wedding photographer should never be sort of a deep dive into the deep end. You know, it should never be that like first year I need to book this many weddings. And certainly there are the stories of photographers that do that. But I think a lot of the times when you dig into the background of those stories, you'll realize it never really was an overnight success. Like I often talk when I teach about business in my first year of photographing weddings, I photographed 32 weddings in my first year. And a lot of the times newer photographers that maybe have never photographed a wedding are thinking, how do I get 32 weddings in my first year yeah, of right. doing business? When I go into that, they'll be established people that wish they could get 32 in a year. Yeah, now. 100%. Yeah. But when you dig into it, you don't realize I second shot for two or three years. Oh. I assisted. I did family portraits. I did free engagement sessions. Like I built the business behind actually starting a wedding photography business. Hmm. And, and I, so I, I would say on the referral side, I think we actually have it easier today than we did maybe 13, 14 years ago when I started in the sense that if you can build out a strong brand, if you can build out a cohesive style of photography, and if you can start to get some experience as a wedding photographer, be it second shooting or smaller weddings or engagement sessions, things like that where you can start to get your work seen, then you can start to build that word of mouth reputation, um, even if you haven't necessarily photographed an entire season of weddings. But I do recommend still taking it slow and not trying to go for <laughs> that instant gratification, that that sort of today's you know, culture seems to crave. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Brian. I, I, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty extreme in my first year. Or well, not necessarily my, my first full year. So, my very first year, I shot two weddings purely by accident, effectively. But then, <laughs> the first year that I advertised myself and marketed, I shot sixty nine weddings, and yep. that was it. Was it was just bad. It was, I, and the reason I shot that many was because I just underpriced myself so much. 
and you know and and, and i had a bit of a, a head start in terms of seo back in those days and stuff and and, and away it went um but absolutely and and we see it you know we see it over here uh, i presume it's the same over there people who especially people who have day jobs and, and don't get me wrong I, you know i I sometimes wish I had a day job too. It's not. It's not. It's not a slight <laughs> on them at all. But they 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 rush headlong into it. They don't charge enough. They don't think yep. about overheads. They don't think about the time. They don't think about the the practicalities of running a business. And you know, often not often, but perhaps sometimes they are. They're more interested in you know getting their Instagram followers up and various things like that rather than actually thinking you know what I can I can build a business here that's that's going to be good for me and my family and uh, you know the pensions and all that kind of stuff um you know and it happens and it's 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 that you you mentioned it the instant gratification world we live in i think is uh it's a it's a bit of a challenge for some people you know it's it's interesting because i often encourage photographers to think about what would it be like to start a business in another industry if you weren't a photographer Hmm. and and there's there's a lot of industries obviously we can use for reference but like even if you look at something like if you wanted to start up a hair salon you know like would you if if you've never cut hair before you wouldn't you wouldn't just be like all right come on in like i'll cut your hair yeah. and that's it and like i don't need insurance or a salon or the proper scissors or just come on in and like if you like it tell your friends and like yeah. i need some followers on instagram it's that's that's a really really good point that's yeah, not really how point. it works right i mean like you would start slow there's a lot of um infrastructure that you have to have in place there's going mm-hmm. to be an investment that you have to make into the business you have to have insurance and and like all of those sort of relatively boring administrative and logistics things that you have to think about mm-hmm. but then there's also there's there's the art and the skill and the craft of it yeah you have absolutely. to have experience and you have to build up that reputation and you have to just build up your muscle memory and understand how this works and it's not going to be where you just expect to to hang up your sign outside of your home and then the next day people are you know just just trying to break down your door hmm. um not that there's anything wrong with a home home business i've actually for for the better part of my career had a home studio now i had it as a separate entrance and everything but there's nothing wrong with that hmm. but there still is you know infrastructure and experience and all of that that needs to come in and so even in the pricing side of things to an extent kev like i totally agree with like you know we don't want to underprice ourselves but i think there's also value in strategically and intentionally starting at a place where that that almost reflects where you are skill set wise where you are experience wise and where you are in your career and then purposefully making um increases to that and changes to that as you level up your skill set and experience so is that starting price what 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 i might call the no-brainer price or do you have to be a bit more strategic than that? I still think that there's value, no matter where you are in your career as a photographer, to have you know a fair starting price. Basically, like I, I kind of call it the get out of bed price. Like if if a client, if a bride and groom booked you for you know this package, you've got to be happy with mm. with them booking you at that package. And so that's almost like what's the bare minimum? You know, like if you're a wedding photographer, based on your beliefs and your brand and and everything that you want to be doing is six hours of coverage good like if every bride booked you for six hours of coverage and only got a small wedding album would you be happy with that and if that's the case then you know call that your starting price and put a number to that that feels satisfactory for you 
Yeah. Is, is that what you mean, Neil? Or, yeah, or do you that's, mean something yeah, that's what that? I meant. Yeah. And, but then yeah. that price has to be able to pay the bills and the insurance and, oh, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In terms of, of uh, you mentioned the B word, you mentioned branding. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a, a lot of people that listen to the podcast that, that um, are not running businesses who are keen on running businesses. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't know how to run a business or, or what a brand actually. Well, I mean, what does make a brand? Is it is it an online look? Um, you, you're a wacky photographer who does party shots or, or is it customer service or... Or is it logo? I mean, the, the, this word brand that people brand around. So the answer is yes to all of those. <laughs> um, but where do you start I, as a new photographer? Yeah. So I think, you know, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not listening. That's sort of like the, the simplest way that I like to define it, because it really does encompass everything from you as a photographer, like your, you know, your personality and your own relational approach and how you carry yourself to your actual photographic and creative style. But then also it encompasses um, overall aesthetic and, and how you approach things and how you want to be perceived or maybe perhaps better said how you are perceived because I believe it's more important to be genuine and to be real to who you are as opposed to trying to constantly be playing theater and Mm. and having to try and be someone that you're not so all of that like that's sort of all that encompasses brand and so when a photographer is thinking about how they want to you know establish that brand um, in my opinion it starts it's almost a two-pronged approach you have to start by really getting getting you know a good understanding of yourself both photographically creatively um, but also just your beliefs and like how you see the world and how you can contribute photographically and creatively to your clients um, and the things that you you know feel strongly about and the things that you don't necessarily feel strongly about. So it needs to start with a deep understanding of that. But then also you need to sort of take that and almost do like a almost like a, a, a check against the market and, and start to think about who is my client, like what is who is the bride and groom or if you're a portrait client who is the client that is going to book me and and almost double check that those two work together because if you have this certain approach and style and personality and all these things and then you know you're checking it against a market that that just is completely incompatible with that then you need to either like you know figure out yourself or Mm. pick a different market right Mm. so it needs to kind of be that um it needs to be very holistic in the way that you that you understand all of that and then and then only once you have a good understanding of those two elements can you then actually start figuring out how you implement that brand and i think that's where a lot of the times photographers get stuck into the idea of a brand and they think website logo colors those kinds of things and and those are just you know the 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 implementation of a brand that's just how it shows up but there needs to be an understanding of the strategy behind that and that way you almost have that that home base to touch back to to say like is this cohesive with the brand you know you can't take a logo and say is this cohesive with the logo it's like mm. the logo is just a visual element yeah yeah i mean i always say to people that it's you know it's what's in the mind of the of the uh, potential client you know how they think about you rather than than you know the marketing and advertising they're the more kind of physical elements of it but the totally. brand is is kind of psychological yeah totally. um yeah it's hard to it, it's it's very hard to to kind of communicate that to people because people often 
clump branding, marketing and advertising all together and think it's exactly the same stuff. And actually, it's it's all very different. A big part of your branding is, is of course, your about page on your website, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, 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 your, that's your first opportunity to get it right, isn't it? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've, I've actually got some, in case you can't tell, some pretty strong thoughts on uh, <laughs> on things like like well, like, like a website, right? I mean, um, traditionally, and, and maybe this is this is you know going back to the first question, Neil. What's changed? Um, traditionally, a website is you know that you know portfolio, and you have your about page, and you know that's sort of how it's always been. And so I often see photographers that are you know when they get into building a website or rebranding or whatever, they spend all this time on picking the right website template. They spent all this time curating their portfolio, which obviously is massively important. And then they almost are like ready to hit the launch button. And they're like, oh, I haven't written my about page yet. And then then they kind of like sort of put that together in a bit of a reckless way in the last minute. And my opinion is that um, the about page, the about page as we have known it is dead in the sense that it's not just some little bolt on to your website. I believe that you and your brand and your approach and your beliefs need to be very holistically integrated everywhere on your website and not just on an about page. Because I don't think, and, and I've seen this backed up with analytics, because I'm I'm a number nut. Like I love diving into these things. Yeah, yeah. People don't click. Like if you if you t- if you summon someone to like the typical smorgasbord website where it's like homepage and then there's the menu at the top where it's like about portfolio pricing contact like those things people almost never click that about button it's just like it's not exciting and it's it's not if you think about it, it's not exciting because inherently it's not about them like if you think about it people yeah, are yeah. people care about what's in it for them right and it's like yeah. i don't want to read about you i want you i want to read about what you can do for me yeah. and so when you think about it that way i think that a we need to be guiding people through our websites more than just saying like click where you want to click but beyond that the brand and those beliefs need to be integrated everywhere and not just like living on some about page i i I, like i I totally agree with you and and to that end on my website i have an about me page but i also have a page titled about you yeah i love that and so you know i i kind of say this is me this is me and my kids and everything and then on the about you page it's still uh, essentially trying to educate them about the way that i shoot but mm-hmm. you know i'm talking to them now in a very different voice and it's you know if you if you're the kind of photographer that you know that wants you know dutch dutch tilts and you know lots of group shots and stuff then you know <laughs> you're not in the right place kind of thing but but the page is very much about them reading about themselves and try yeah. my and in, in my mind in terms of the brand i'm trying to educate them about the types of clients that i want to work with and it's up to them to decide if they are that type of person i had to oh. check and it's a terrible admission but i, I should instantly have remembered but somebody a while ago told me to take the about page off and i <laughs> said well what how, how what yeah i was completely lost with that that thought and they said ah no i still want you to have an about but i just want you to stick that on the page that most people go to which is prices Mm-hmm. And, and then they can meet you that way and it's a nice soft way uh, of introducing yourself on the most important page of your website yeah that's a good point yeah i mean the other thing too like when it comes to the website flow like you have to think about putting yourself in your client's shoes like when they when they land there think about what have they already 
what's already going on in their mind. Like, what are they doing? They're probably researching a bunch of photographers or they found your site because someone referred you or because they saw you, you know, at another wedding and were, were intrigued and, you know, what's happening in their mind? What are they thinking, feeling and doing at that point? And how can you serve that? How can you help them? What kinds of information can you put in front of them that would help them in that search? And that's, that's why I love the idea of almost like literally putting your client's shoes on and saying like, okay, what makes sense? Like if I come here, what kind of information am I, am I seeking? And then you basically build that as, as a, as a linear path on your website where it's like, okay, we're going to start here. And then I'm going to tell you about how I can do this for you. And then I'm going to tell you about this part of this. And then I'm going to tell you about this. And then of course you're going to be asking questions about pricing. So then I'm going to kind of give you this. And those are all different pages and you've got elements of your, you know, quote unquote about page Mm. integrated on each of those pages, but there's never any one place that they go to like read about the artist type of thing. I'm sorry to bang on about it. And and, and I can almost see even with thousands of miles between us, uh, your eyes and your eye- eyebrows actually r- rise as I as I go into this sentence. <laughs> but <laughs> um, sorry, sorry, Brian, stand by. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but wouldn't video <laughs> but wouldn't video be a great way of introdu- introducing this? Because it's it's a it, I think people grasp video very well when it comes to marketing. Yes, I'm not talking about being a videographer now. I'm talking about yep. expressing and relaying your information as a video. One hundred percent, like video, not on the side of like us making videos for brides and grooms. No. Like that's we've already discussed that. But video in marketing and in communication is the most effective way that we can communicate. Yeah. So um, yeah, like. You need to have you need to be integrating a really really strong video communication strategy if you want to stand out. So much is is to go as and this is something that I I did for years and it is incredibly effective. Whenever I got an inquiry, I would record a video for them. Ah. I would like I, on my phone. I would just like super well, simple and send them the video of, of you. and send them the video. I would say, hey, you know, like you know, Jess and James, like thank you so yeah. much for getting in touch. Like you're getting married at Queens Landing. I absolutely love Queens Landing. You guys are gonna love it. One of the blah, blah, and then I would just go on and talk for like a minute or two, and then just say I've included some information in this email. I'd love to get together with you guys and meet. Let me know what makes sense for you guys, and we'll go from there. You just, just like this yeah, quick little video. Yeah. You you sound like you're made for it, though. To be honest, Brian, I mean, you, you'd, you'd get away with that, and uh, so, so would Americans. But you know, when an English bloke calls you up and says, "Hello, Brian, how you doing?" I just want to typical EastEnders approach. Just want to let you know you're going to be in safe hands. Yeah. <laughs> family. That's what it's all about. Family. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it totally. You've got to make it work for you and for your brand, obviously. But I think, I think the thing is, is like, if that's who you are, and that's who they're going to see when they come in for a meet and greet with you, if that's who they're going to see when they're at their engagement session, True. if that's who they're going to see at their wedding day. I mean, you have to think. You're like, you get to spend as a photographer. You spend more time with this bride and groom than almost anyone else that will be there on their wedding day. True. And and you're there for all of the intimate moments and all those different elements of the wedding day that, again, almost no one else will be there for um, in, in the same quantity. I mean, the only other people will perhaps be the wedding party. And like th- that, the, that's their best friends. Like They've chosen those people to stand by them on their wedding day. So the more that we can 
establish that trust and build that relationship and just put ourselves out there to say, this is me. Like this is this is who I am and this is who you're going to have on your wedding day. <laughs> like I think even if it is Phil Mitchell. That, even if it is Phil Mitchell. <laughs> even and, and and again, like I not not to be like overly controversial, but like if you're not if you're not great at building relationships with people, if you are if you don't have those interpersonal skills, perhaps wedding photography isn't the right space for you. Hmm. We Good should point. we should mention Sprout Studio, obviously. I mean that that's that's really why we're talking because of your work with an education platform. But but it's more than that. I mean, you've de- been developing studio software to manage photography businesses. You say it's uh, one of the only dedicated ones of its its kind. I mean, it, it, uh, we talked. Well, now we touched on this only a couple of weeks ago, and we had a mm-hmm. question, and it was, do you would you use software or or would you just pile it all on a an Excel spreadsheet? Kevin's much more um literate with with than me with stuff like access so he built a really good access program how how important is that i mean it's part it's a big part of your business it's a big part of your training it's a big part of sprout yeah it's funny because when i remember listening to that episode and kev was going on about um i don't was it access or was it FileMaker? it was one access of access yeah, 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 yeah okay access. so it was one of those and i was like oh yeah like i totally because i did the same thing probably seven or eight years ago i remember doing that i used a tool called bento that you could basically build your own little you know file maker database and you could mm. find your own fields and make your own lists and all these things and mm. i did the same thing um i mean certainly obviously for those of us that can and and want to get into doing those kinds of things ourselves um power to you because you can you can build exactly what you want exactly the way that you want it um my uh inclination is to say that 99 percent of photographers don't want to be getting in to do those kinds no, of things. absolutely yeah probably more than <laughs> right. that yeah 99.99999 percent. yeah totally yeah. totally and and i'd honestly even argue to the extent that for for those of us that are that really do want to roll up our sleeves and get into those kinds of things there's a lot of things that i've learned over the past four or five years in in working now with my team here at sprout um that like we can do as a software team that we can build for photographers in terms of tools and utility and functionality that you're just not going to be able to get no matter how deep you get into it with mm-hmm. a tool like access or, mm-hmm. or bento or anything like that um you know all, like, all the whole automation side and the email side and yeah. and all of that it's it's going to be hard pressed to do some kind of integration with you know how you share your images which you know your galleries or, or those kinds mm-hmm. of things obviously you're going to be limited so that for me was almost where sprout well it is that's where sprout started you know i was in my studio five six years ago i was using all of these different tools one of them was my own you know hodgepodge pieced together part you know piece of of database um but i was also using a gallery system and another tool to to proof um, album designs and another tool for all of my bookkeeping and like i was using all these different tools and none of them spoke together. None of them worked together. The client got this really inconsistent experience. It just created almost more work than it was <laughs> than it was saving me. Yeah. And so that's where I said, like, it, it literally was the typical light bulb moment that you know see see in the movies or whatever. It was just like, there's got to be a better way, and like there was not a better way. So I said, well, this shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fa- famous last yeah, words. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you that. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's kind of where it came to, right? Where I, I, I don't believe whether it's Sprout or any of the systems that are out there. There's never 
a bad time or it's never too early to get started using a good system in your business. And, mm-hmm. and I say that both in your photographic workflow, like in, in using Lightroom and, and, you know, actions and photo, like however you want to do those things, but just building really good systems, I think are the cornerstone of running a well-oiled machine in terms of being successful as a photographer. And how does that work um, in terms of of the way you run the business of training photographers that want to be consulted by you? Because you've got the software one side, but you're you're running the training, aren't you, as well? Yeah, for sure. Like we we exist to help photographers run successful businesses. Like that is that is where my passion is. That's where I started. Um, and do they have to be the- Canadian businesses? Uh, no, 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 no. We we like we're we're all over the world, um, and that's where like the software, like Sprout Studio, is is a tool to help photographers run their business. But where we come from, from like a beliefs standpoint, is that you know we have free education, we have pod, like, we have podcasts, we've got four hundred and some odd episodes, um, we have courses. I teach at you know WPPI and and PPA and all those things. And I, and I teach and I speak and I help photographers on the business side to help them clarify and just get a good understanding of the basics of business because business doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard when you think about it strategically and when you look at it through the right lens, like pun 100% intended on that one, um, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have to be difficult. It can be straightforward. And so we try to help clarify that for photographers and help them with that. And then of course, like beyond all that, obviously I also offer coaching where if, you know, photographers really want to deep dive one-on-one, then we can do that as well. But it it all stems guys from like, you know, my passion for um, helping photographers run a good business because I know what it's like. I've, I've been in the shoes of a photographer now for 13, 14 years in being able to pay my bills and support my family and you know, pay off our mortgage and own our vehicles and vacation when we want all from the money that we've made or that I've made from photography. Mm. Like my wife has been a stay at home mom for the past six years with our three kids. And there's never been any pressure to go back to work or to supplement our income or anything. But that is what, that's what photography has allowed us to do. And so I know what it's like to be able to make a great living doing something that I love to do and I, I want to help more photographers have that same that same realization of their dreams. Good, I think that's amazing. That's that's uh, it's good to working for you, and it's uh, you know I know people that have been helped by you, and um, I think it's uh, you know there's an ethical there's an ethical element of this kind of stuff as well because you you often see people who you know offer workshops and training and especially in the uk people then think oh well you know why is he taking our money off us he's obviously not earning enough etc etc and it and it's it, it comes down to to ethics on from the the uh, instructor's part but also it comes down to um you know jealousy from others so I, I'm, I'm really chuffed it's working for you um i've got one very small last question yeah why sprout <laughs> why the name sprout yeah is it in terms of sprout in a business or is it some kind of acronym or gosh you, or, know, or you the, just like the naming of things you just like sprouts <laughs> yeah <laughs> the naming of things is so is so challenging and it's just funny how things go right but yeah. five years ago when we were sitting and the software wasn't built yet i had this idea for a software um it started with you know the podcast and educating and 
this idea of of you know growing of of yeah. of you know coming be, becoming something and 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 sprouting it actually started the initial brand was sprouting photographer which was you know the idea of a photographer growing into something mm-hmm. planting the right seeds and we've got all these you know metaphors in the in the farming space or gardening space <laughs> but um it kind of just started with that and it was like well sprout studio you know this is the tool that will help photographers sprout that will help them grow that will support them as they as they you know move on and, and evolve in their business and so we kind of established it five years ago through that lens and it was like well it's just stuck ever since that's it's a really nice story and i'm you know it's 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 great to see a business thriving um so yeah, well, I, good I, to chat to you i have got one more actually in true colombo fashion just one yeah, more yeah. question mr cabaretti <laughs> uh it, I've, I've i must mention your podcast uh, business of photography which i've been listening to which is brilliant and and you should listen to if, you, if if you're listening to us as a podcast and you're probably already listening to brian's one i don't know but if you're not you should be yeah, um, thank you. because uh and i ju- just my one more question mr caparici one was <laughs> was do you think every photographer should have a podcast no no i, I think <laughs> in a word <laughs> <laughs> how's that um you know it's actually funny neil because i um i'm pretty sure that i don't know what was it three weeks ago four weeks ago um, my neighbors probably thought that I was going crazy because I was sitting there, I was cutting my grass and I was listening to, to one of your episodes and, and Neil, <laughs> Neil, you were talking about focusing on YouTube as a strategy or a tactic for marketing to brides and grooms. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I was, I was, I was, I was talking loudly to myself, <laughs> to you. I mean, through, I mean, I, you could feel me i'm sure i heard you brian i uh, heard you (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know that that idea the podcast space i mean um it works well for this you know where where, where we're trying to help photographers where we're speaking to those that are in that space but i often think about if you're a wedding photographer um why or how or where would a podcast benefit you as it relates to connecting and and attracting brides and grooms. I think that there's certain content marketing strategies that a wedding photographer can can deploy in their business that makes sense. I'm just not convinced that a podcast is it because a podcast is a long-term thing. It is a deep dive strategy. Mm. It's 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 a relationship-based thing. I mean, like I've been listening to your guys's podcast ever since you launched. We've had listeners that have been with us for the past 4 or 5 years well, on our over, podcast. You've done over 400. Yeah, I mean and it, so it's this long it's this long-term thing that like over the course of three, four, five years, even even if it's not that much, you know, you build this really deep, intimate relationship. Like, when else in today's busy, crazy space can I get an hour in someone's earbuds, like in, in someone's head? Like, as an educator, that for me is incredibly exciting because I can really help people in this long form content like it beats you know instagram posts and 140 characters on twitter like all these things that are just these short snippets in a podcast i get to talk with somebody for an hour like we've been talking with somebody now for 38 minutes right now Mm. and and people are still with us like oh my goodness that is that is fascinating and so it's this long-term play and so i have a hard time seeing how that translates to a wedding photographer talking to brides and grooms or a portrait photographer talking to families because the life cycle 
where a a photographer is serving a wedding client in that space in that area of expertise is maybe at most 12 to 18 months and so you don't you just don't have that space to to build that relationship because they go through that life cycle so quickly mm. and they're they're focusing on different things so quickly like as soon as they've made decisions on flowers they're good like they they're now talking with their florists about things and like for you to have all these podcast episodes deep diving on the kinds of flowers they're kind of they've moved past that at that point so anyways that's that's all to say like i i don't know how much value there is i mean i'm sure that there are some photographers that that do well with that and so like you know you know i think there's there's many many ways to to skin a cat there's a lot of different strategies that we can that we can deploy but i just think that for the majority of photographers i don't see how a youtube strategy or a podcast strategy would benefit them in their business as they're talking to the end client it's different if you're talking to photographers but to their end client i'm 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 not sure i see the value our thanks to brian for his time and honesty and answering questions from us both next week yes we're back in the studio Uh, And it's a Meet the Moderator week for our Facebook group. And if you're not in the Fujicast Facebook group, then you should be. It's a safe place to chat, and it's uh, open to anyone who lifts a camera. Not just pros and not just Fujifilm users, as we always say. Uh, We've got two polls running in there at the moment, where the the next UK listener meetup should be. And um, a tentative question on taking the show to America. And we've actually got some treats coming up as we uh, we take the outside broadcast unit to Kev's studio as well. We we forgot to tell you about that bit. We thought it was uh, about time we dropped the crispy creme crumbs on Kev's carpets. And we have some really quite special guests coming up. Guests who who do well in one, in one case anyway take considerable personal risks at their own investment to to tell stories in countries that are perhaps a a little less stable than most of us would feel comfortable in visiting. And I get to talk to um, a personal photographic hero. Remember to keep your questions rolling in. We've got um, a good strong mailbag and uh, still some more simpler uh, camera straps to award the best ones. If you haven't been to the, the simpler website, then go to simpler, S-I-M-P-L-R dot U-S. Send your questions to the usual email address, click at fujicast.co.uk. We'll remind you of that in a moment. Kev's payoff this week comes from um, Emily Rainier. Kevin's Instagram is Kevin Mullins Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary Eye. His website is kevinmullinsphotography.co.uk or for street workshops, training and everything Fujifilm, go to f16.click. I'm Emily Ronier. My Instagram is underscore Emily's Moments underscore and my website is www.emilysmoments.com And mine comes from Jeremy Baker. Neil's Instagram is Neil James. See his films on YouTube at Neil James Photo. His website is neiljames.com and you can hear his other photography podcast which is called Breathe Pictures wherever you can get your podcasts from. I'm Jeremy Baker. My Instagram is jb102. Oh, Jeremy, we still like the way you say breathe. So we'll see you next week on the show. Thank you very much. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.